Hi, this is Michael Waits, and welcome to AIP's News Roundup with Teresa Blissing, the founder of AIP, and Rahul Matur, an AIP ambassador. I am coming to you from my self-quarantining and socially distanced living room, and it looks like everybody else is as well. How are you two doing today? Well, social distancing, like um, I think everyone at the moment. So uh, I'm also in, in, in Bangkok at home, working from home. Uh, what about you, Raul? I'm good. I'm back home in Mumbai, India right now, quarantined myself. And uh, it's uh, very interesting. Uh, there's no one on the streets. As you know, India is still completely locked down. But I'm here. I'm all set to tell you a little bit about what's going on in India. That would be awesome. It will be awesome. I'll just say one thing. I went down to the end of the street yesterday to get some water. And there were two guys running that live on this street. And they were just literally running up and back to the end of the soy. No mask, no nothing, just like it was a normal day. Anyway, Rahul, why don't we talk about what is going on in India with COVID-19? You seem to have put together a bunch of data and information, and I'm really curious about what all this stuff means. Yeah, absolutely, right? So I guess to kick things off, the Indian full-stack in short-tech digit launched a standalone coronavirus product, and this was under the IRDA's uh, in short-tech sandbox scheme which allows you to sell a new need-based insurance product to roughly 10,000 customers. Digits evidently already crossed that 10,000 customer threshold because the product's kind of no longer available on their website. In the week following that, India saw quite of its uh, leading insurance companies like ICICI, Lombard, Star Health, and Relegare come out with group insurance products focused on covid so this sort of resembles a typical employer's health insurance contract where they've just gone ahead and stripped out the other insured perils and made COVID-19 the only insured peril. And Relegate's health insurance product for COVID has actually been picked up by several insurance and healthcare-focused startups like Plum, Wellmo, Discovery, and Clink. Okay. The other kind of interesting thing is the Indian insurance regulator has mandated that any life insurance claims arising due to death on account of COVID have to be paid for, which is uh, fairly interesting because COVID is actually a pandemic and in some cases may not be insured. So there's a bit of gray area. But on the whole, I think the whole ecosystem has responded quite positively and quite quickly to COVID-19. I guess that's the summary of uh, the stuff I wrote about. So can I ask a quick question? Why do they limit it to 10,000? Is that part of the sandbox thing or is that just they're trying to mitigate risk? Yeah, so that's that's kind of purely on the uh, sandbox. It's limited to 10,000 customers. So Trista, on the back of what's happening in India, what are some of the other insurers doing in this region? Maybe you can start with some of these other claims becoming easier because of coronavirus, yeah? Uh, yeah, sure, Michael. I mean, uh, insurers across the region have um, published um, products around COVID-19. But um, the other interesting question here is, in a you know time where most companies are moving into remote work, because you know in some countries like India we have a lockdown, and uh, even if Thailand does not have a lockdown, we also see lots of um, companies here going into remote work and then the question is like how can these organizations operate um, 
on a on a remote working schedule, and um, we are seeing more and more news coming in. Um, one is coming out of um, Hong Kong, where MSIG has launched their um, easy claims, um, for example, that allows to submit claims fully um, digitally. And um, we also have like other examples like uh, AIA in Singapore. Um, they are offering a video medical um, consultation um, for, I think, their, their um, Gold Max members, um, where they can uh, video chat with the doctor. Um, provider here is White Coat in order to give people um, the health care they need while being isolated at home. So we are seeing a lot of those um, initiatives across Asia. Um, and uh, I saw I saw this um, really true uh, meme on, on uh, I think, LinkedIn. It was the other day about, you know, who is driving your digital transformation? Is it your CEO? Is it your CTO? Or is it COVID? Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's the sad truth, but uh, COVID is now forcing all the insurers um, to accelerate their, their digital transformation so they are able um, to have their people working from home. So um, very interesting times here. It is, and it's interesting that you say that too. We'll publish something on Monday of a conversation that I had today with um, Nicolas Faquet. And one of the, he said one of the, that was one of the things that he said was that this digital transformation for insurance companies is accelerating because of this. So that's industry-wide, not just in Thailand, all over the region and all over the world, right? Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, insurers are forced to do this now um, and uh, find, you know, quick fixes, quick solutions, how they enable their employees to work from home um, and still offer um, customer service, allow people to file their claims. Um, and also what I really like is this like video consultation um, because the problem yeah. we are seeing right now is, you know, healthy people um, going into the hospital and, um, you know, creating extra pressure for the doctors working there um, just because they have a question or they, they need, uh, you know, a doctor's opinion. So for that, um, video consultation, I think, is a, is a great thing. We know companies that are trying to do that as well. And I think that people are now going to start getting used to the fact that maybe they won't go to the hospital, but they'll be able to have these sort of face-to-face, -face, whether it's on Zoom or Skype or Line or WhatsApp, conversations yes. with their doctors or their caregivers, right? Yes, and AIA also announced that they are adding more uh, non-face-to-face uh, purchasing um, arrangements, um, so no more products that are able to sell online, uh, which is great. Um, that's something I'm, I'm complaining about here in Thailand for a long time. Um, it is basically impossible to buy your health insurance online, and now in, in, in these times, um, that is really something that the insurance companies have to fix as soon as possible. Yeah, I mean, the big question to me is what's going to happen to agents, but I think we can address that at a later date. It's just that was happening slowly anyway, but this whole accelerated digital transformation is going to have impact on some of your sort of second-tier agents, I think. Oh, sure. Okay, let's talk about Japan a little bit. One of the companies that actually we've spoken to quite a few times that comes up in conversation a lot is Just In Case. This is Hatasan's, uh, the CEO of that company, and they just announced something with loyalty marketing in Japan. They're now going to start offering insurance to their users. And loyalty marketing is not a new company. This is like a 10-year-old company in Japan, yeah? I'm not sure if, if, if Raul has any, any comments. I know um, he's following... 
um, Kazi uh, quite closely. Um, but uh, yeah, this uh, Ponta points where um, just in case is now partnering with, it's like a loyalty program where people are collecting points and these um, Ponta points can now be transferred into an insurance solution. Yeah, I was going to say this is very, very interesting timing wise as well, because in Japan, I believe now it's compulsory to have bicycle insurance. And that's actually one of the products Ponta uh, loyalty point customers can redeem their points for via just in case. And what, what this kind of caught my attention on, guys, is if you remember a couple of AIP episodes back, uh, there was one one day on the show mm-hmm. and they were telling us about how they're going to help. Shiro's, which is the social network for, uh, I guess, females and female entrepreneurs in India to actually use um, the time spent watching advertisements to convert that into a reward token that could be redeemed for micro insurance via HDFC Ergo. And interestingly, that's that's another example of rewards-based insurance, which uh, has recently been made legal in India. So you're going to see a lot more schemes where people will try uh, to tie back advertising-based reward and loyalty points into uh, insurance, which is a very interesting play in this ecosystem. Yeah, I think this is interesting and important because we've been talking at least for the last year about how insurance is not just going to become free to some people, but embedded. And you know, like you said, this is just one of, one of the ways that that's happening. And we did have one one day talk about it. Did you say that's becoming legal or illegal in India? It's 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 recently become legal under the IRDA in short X sandbox. Awesome. I believe the correct phrase for that is rewards based insurance, where you try to tie some form of reward or loyalty points, which are which can then be redeemed for insurance products. I think it's awesome. Now, what I also find um, really interesting about this is that they are not only offering um, like an annual um, insurance plan, but um, they also offer like one day insurance, for example, for golfers or in general um, sports. Right. And that is um, that is very interesting because we are moving more and more towards these like micro insurance products, Mm. um, these like small bite um, products. So um, that's also quite interesting here. It is. I mean, as we say, there's a lot going on and stuff never stops moving. Why don't we talk a little bit about this Inskeek raise? $25 million Series C. Very interesting as well, no? Yeah, so so Inskeek is uh, working in the group insurance market in uh, China. And typically, group insurance refers to, um, you know, for example, employers, health products, which I believe is their focus area. What I found, uh, you know, very, very interesting about Inzgeek is it somehow reminded me of what Care Voice is doing in Hong Kong via startup care. Yeah. And I think Inzgeek is operating in a similar space. And out in the West, you have uh, the likes of Vouch Insurance working on uh, not just SME, but startup focused health insurance packages. So it's a very interesting and hot space, but I don't know how the SME market will be affected post-COVID-19, whether they'll see mass layoffs and therefore drop in business, but overall very interesting idea. 
Yeah, and um, also the the money raised. I think uh, 25 million um, is a new record um, is it for really? for insurtex raised. Um, Raul, you are you are the man of the numbers here. But uh, yeah, I, I, I was really hoping to not uh, comment on this. But to be completely Sorry. honest, <laughs> but, but to be completely honest with you, we saw Xiang uh, uh, not we saw Water Drop Mutual, which is Shwedi Huzu, which raised a Series B and Series C round in um, in I believe it was it, it was March and May last year, and those were close to 100 million. The exact number escapes me right now, but. Their Series C was uh, well above 70 million US dollars. I I don't know whether 25 million is actually the biggest amount they've seen, but if they if they mean the previous six month by a recent time, then yes, they're probably accurate. Either way, it's a big it's a big raise, and it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few months as COVID continues to dominate people's conversations. Whether there are other fundraisings that actually do get done or whether VCs and we should try to get one on the show as well to talk to them and find out what their perspective is and see, are they still doing due diligence? Obviously they're not meeting people, right? And are they doing these meetings over zoom or over Skype and will those meetings still continue? Or are they just going to hold back and do what the public markets have done and, you know, drop 30%. It'll just be really interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. Also, I just quickly fished out the number. Waterdrop Mutual did a 144 million Series C in June 2019. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, it's a big number. What else is going on? GigaCover, a company that we've also been talking about before, they are now powering Homage's benefits program. What's the significance of this? Homage is also like an on-demand platform for for caregivers. Um, so people who are looking for a nurse that um, comes to comes to your house, um, right. they can use their app um, to order like a, a caregiver to take care of um, of the elderly or, or people who need help at home. Um, so here we are talking again about these like micro entrepreneurs, very similar to um, like Grab and Gojek, right? Where we also have all these micro entrepreneurs who often have difficulties um, finding insurance solutions, right? So Giga Cover has now partnered um, with Homage um, in order to help provide um, coverage for their care professionals for all their micro entrepreneurs, um, which I think is a, is a great, um, great solution, right? Yeah, it really is. And I think the, the overall kind of theme there is again, Michael, your point about embedded insurance. This is giga cover covering the, um, you know, gig workers on the homage platform. I'm not sure whether homage actually sees any competition in the market, but this, uh, very interestingly reminds me of how like an Ola, an Uber, Grab or Gojek tries to retain its employees by offering them all of these benefits. So it's almost like freelancers now have access to the same benefits you would get by being a full-time employee, which is a trend we're also seeing out in the West and also in in India with companies like Gigi Benefits. Um, in the West, there are quite a few names like... Um, like portable collective benefits as part of this, you know, overall trend. What I'd be very interested to see is whether Homage approaches insurance with a bit of a freemium model and then starts offering extensions to 
existing covers offered for free via Giga Cover because that could be a very interesting, you know, alternative revenue stream for them. Yeah. Yeah, what's what's also interesting that um, uh, the article at least is talking about that um, it not only gives coverage to their like 2,000 care professionals, but also their dependents. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, that is also something um, that is often difficult um, for for you know people who buy individual um, insurance to also get cover for their dependents. Right, because normally it's just if it just covers you. Like sometimes companies, when I was working at a big company, they'd give you extra coverage for your dependents. But that's a great thing for these these types of workers, yeah? Yep. And this really stuck out to me. Cathay Financial joins Plug and Play's insurance technology program in Singapore. And this is them joining on the corporate side. This is them joining the party, going in and being one of the companies that gives their problems and issues to Plug and Play on the insurance side. And then try to have those problems solved by plug-and-play startups or some of their cohorts, yeah? Yeah, I think they, they have been um, part of plug-and-play uh, in Silicon Valley before. Possible. And um, now are also joining um, the one in, in, in Singapore, um, which surely makes sense, something uh, a bit closer to home, right? Um, and, uh, I mean, we, we talked to the guys from, from plug and play to K1, but also, to Sean. um, remember Sean? Yes. Um, so the, the guys are doing a great job here. Um, and, um, you know, developing solutions that are more relevant to the Asian market. Uh, we talked about this several times that, um, solutions you find in the, in the U S or in Europe are not necessarily, um, transferable to emerging markets in, in Southeast Asia. So, um, yeah, um, I think it was a, was a good move. Yeah. It's good to see them getting their business really up and running and, and having an impact. I mean, Sean hasn't even been here that long, but the stuff that he's been doing in Asia, in Thailand and Singapore and the rest of the region, pretty impressive. Let's talk a little bit about FWD. So yesterday, if I can even remember what day today is, we released a conversation with Natalia, the head of Innovation Center at FWD. And FWD has a little bit of news in the Philippines with Pacific Life Read. You guys want to talk about that a little bit? FWD has in the um, Philippines uh, joined like a digital solution with Pacific Life Re, um, or more specifically with their InsureTech subsidiary Underwrite Me. I have to uh, admit I don't know that much about uh, Underwrite Me, um, but it seems to be like a, a digital enabled um, subsidiary of, of Pacific Life to um, offer digital solutions in, in terms of reinsurance and then um, primary insurance. And is this an existing relationship that FWD has had there? Sorry, go ahead, Rahul. So yeah, I was just going to say I have also never come across Underwrite Me. I've seen an Underwrite Me in the UK, but I'm not sure whether they're the same company. Interesting. So I guess my question was, is this an existing relationship that FWD already had with Pacific Life Re, or is this them building a new relationship with them? I'm not sure um, who is um, their preferred reinsurer, but I think what I can say here, FWD is very selective in their partners. 
Um, and they're always, at least what, what I have seen from them, they are always looking at the strategic um, implications and also in terms of their internal strategy, they always plan ahead and um, going towards fully digital insurer. Um, and that's that's across um, uh, Southeast Asia, right? Um, so yeah, I, I believe um, if they see a value in their um, digital offering, um, then there should be something to it. Interesting, just something interesting and, and exciting to follow. Yeah, um, to to add um, other big news of uh, FWD, um, not so much in terms of InsurTech, but they just sold um, their bank assurance partnership with um, TMB um, to Prudential here in Thailand. Um, so Prudential has now um, acquired the bank uh, insurance uh, distribution channel um, from FWD. Uh, reason here is they have acquired uh, SCB Life. Ah, right. Um, so CM Commercial Bank uh, Life portfolio, and um, with the acquisition, also got um, the bank assurance deal. And SCB is obviously a, a much larger uh, bank network in in Thailand than uh, TMB. Than TMB. Um, so. Yeah, uh, makes absolute sense to not keep both uh, bank partnerships, but to sell one off the smaller one to uh, Prudential here. Yeah, I mean, maybe one of the last things we can talk about in FWD is a good example of this from a scale perspective. And I'm guessing that Sing Life is kind of similar. But I think COVID-19 and the resulting crisis is going to expose a lot of the sort of weaker companies, not just on the startup side, but on the sort of incumbent side as well. And it'll be interesting to see how long this crisis lasts, how long people stay at home, how long self-quarantining and social distancing last, and what the impact is on some of these smaller companies that you know really rely on partnerships with bigger companies and just the next round of funding to keep them going, right? Because they're all burning cash at some level. It'll just be interesting to see like who can survive and who can make it through what's going to be, I believe, a really tough time. And, and I think it, this could last longer than most people think. What do you guys think? I agree. Um, we are we are not seeing an end here. Um, and the I mean the problem is that we have to fight this virus um, across the globe, right? Yeah. So no borders can open um, until every country um, has got the the pandemic under control. So that's what makes it really difficult. We have seen Singapore and Hong Kong, which got the virus under control pretty Quickly, pretty early, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, then now they're also shutting their borders, not because of their internal um, problems with infections, but um, because they don't want anyone from outside bringing um, the virus back into the, into the city. And um, so that's the real problem we are facing here. So I agree, Michael. I think that will um, last for quite a while. And I think the insurance um, industry will look very different and uh, at the other side. I would also agree with that. Most people are trying to pretend this is maybe a recession, in the worst case, a depression. But I think for the first time in probably over 100 years, we're going to see a financial recession, which is the result of a, I guess, pandemic event, which has not happened in most people's lifetimes, so it's yeah. it's less about companies going under, but it's more about people not being able to go about business as usual, even if they have massive cash reserves. And like you rightly point out, Michael, Teresa, it's not just going to affect the uh, 
the startups which are burning cash it's also going to affect some of the bigger incumbents that maybe operate intermediated or broker led business where interactions are done face to face in fact lloyds in london shut its underwriting room for the first time in probably a few decades and that just goes to show you if you aren't if you don't have a digital capability in house to facilitate business in a worst case scenario you may be taking a very big impairment to either your valuation or your cash flows over the next 9 to 12 months yeah should be fascinating to watch look i think it's going to make our next news roundup two weeks on just that much more interesting because you know some of these companies are just going month to month and it'll just be really interesting to see and and, and to be fair you know we don't want anything bad to happen to any of these teams but it's just the reality of yeah. the current financial situation and the current crisis there's something i want to point out is um you know as as dark as uh, this time is it's also a massive opportunity to change behavior because one of the problems that insurance companies are facing um when it comes to digitizing their their um agent distribution right yep. um is that people are not willing to change their behavior they still want to have their paper contract they still want to go um and do business as they have done the past 20 30 um years but now they are forced to use um you know digital solutions um and i'm not saying that agents um will disappear certainly not but no. um now it's a good time um to change behavior um and implement those um digital uh, sales processes that will help the insurers in the back end as well um when you know everything is now available digitally so it also has um its opportunities Got it. Look, I just want to thank you both again as usual for coming out and doing this. Very interesting as usual, and I think the next 2 weeks is going to be just as interesting as as the last two. So, thanks again for coming. Thanks Michael. Thanks Raul. Thank